Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are very clearly here today. Lord, we just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to, um, to hear from you this morning. God, I really do pray that you will do the, the unexpected, God, in our midst. Lord, that people will go from here blessed and encouraged. God, inspired to serve you. God, inspired to be generous towards others. Father, we just thank you that that, that is possible for us. But God, we know that it is not possible in the natural, but only in the spiritual. God, we know that with you we can do all things and see all things happen. And so, Father, we pray that you would be here, your presence would guide and lead us this morning as we get into your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Carl spoke about tithes and offerings and uh, what we give to the local church and how that happens. And you've just heard um, Josh Wright's testimony about how they, you know, gave and it was a bit hard at the start, but eventually they got there and overcame that fear um, to the point where, you know, really felt blessed uh, to be able to be a giver. And I want to make this statement at the start of this message that, you know, the future of our church is totally dependent on our generosity. I mean, think about that statement. If the future of this church depends on our generosity, then, then what kind of future have we got? You know, think about your own giving. Um, you know, in, in regards to tithes and offerings, and I'm talking about that to start with this morning. You know, if the future of our church depended on how generous you are to the vision of this church, to how much you trust what God is doing in this place, and you trust the leadership, if the future of this church was dependent on how, how much or how sacrificial you give, then what kind of future would we have? You know, you've got to think about those kind of things because I believe that our future is directly linked to how generous we are. And the truth is, we are standing right now on the shoulders of other people who have given sacrificially before we even got here. You know, we are we're sitting here in a comfortable auditorium. You know, it wasn't too long ago where you would be speaking and, uh, you know, some child decided that the chair was the most fun toy in the entire world, and he would put it up, sorry, put it down, and put it up, and then bang it down again. Hands up if you remember those days, where the chair would be like, bang, and trust me, you would be preaching, and you would just pretend that wasn't happening, you would keep going, and it was just such a distraction, it was so loud, and that child was keep going, because that's a fun toy when you were like three years old. And we had a cool culture where even that was okay, but... What I'm saying is that we're, we're so comfortable. We've got great seats, we've got a great auditorium, we've got you know, colourful walls, and we've got you know, just facilities for our, our children. They can go and learn about God in other facilities. We had Alpha that was run this morning. You know, that was done in that bizarre little room in the corner there that we don't know what to call yet. So we need your help. If you know, I think of a really classy name or a cool name for the corner room where Alpha is, which is fine at hard to call. What was that? Alpha, I said that this morning actually, that was interesting. So we need to find a name for the room. But my point is that we have got such incredible blessing and we as a church are really positioned extremely well to reach our city in an amazing way because of the generosity of other people. And we are standing now on their shoulders. We are in a blessed position because somebody else gave towards a building. Somebody else was generous, sacrificially. You know, it's never easy to give, especially at a sacrificial level, because we've all got bills and we've all got pressing needs and we've got stuff that needs to happen. But these people gave in that way. And um, 
you know, the story goes something like, because, you know, I've only been here for two years. Some of you are saying it feels like 10 years, okay? It's like a long time, but things are just going in slow motion. But we, no, that wasn't fun. So we, actually not, we've been here for two years, so I don't know the whole story, I wasn't there when it happened, so you can only put on other people's stories, and I was um, asking Pastor Ron uh, this week, um, you know, exactly what happened, and um, you know, Vince Estimate, who really founded this church, he was uh, over in the old facility, which is in Haig Street, in Brussels. There's a, a little, I think like a 70 placement childcare centre, and that's where Calvary's Church used to be. I'm not even sure what it was called back then. But he, he was there, and he was by himself, he was praying to God, saying, God, we need a facility. So he could see the vision of this church and what it could become and what God wanted to do with this church for this city. And he was there, and he said, you know, God, what are you going to do? We need a facility. And he looked out through his window, and he saw... This facility, he saw that huge tower, Sutton's Tower. Maybe you've never even realised it if you're fairly new here. If you just go out from here today, if you look up in that direction, so right that way, there's a, a big tower that says Sutton's on it. And he saw that tower and he really felt like God spoke to him in that moment and said, that is where your church is going to be. And now we sit here now in a comfortable chair in a great auditorium. We didn't have to give, we didn't have to do anything. But maybe some of you are here from those days when you did give. You know, and thank you for, for doing that. But we get to be a part of that blessing that somebody gave. You know, and they got here and the place was was like, you know, just a factory. It was just like a, an old foundry, bits of metal, copper everywhere. It was just a pigsty. Um, I think I've heard the comment that there wasn't even concrete floors out in the cafe and different things. You know, it really did have to be worked on. And people were generous. Uh, the ladies in the church took the louvers out and they scrubbed them and scrubbed them and scrubbed them and then washed them and scrubbed them again and scrubbed them again from years of industrial use. They were generous with their time and their effort you know, and their money. They gave. The facility wasn't anywhere close to being a church, but they gave sacrificially something to the tune of a million dollars. Once they'd already moved in here, they gave. And there was... I think, I'm looking at Mandy Hills, there were about 70 people in those days when it first started. Hands up, like, yeah, we'll have a preacher, make up the stories as you go along. You know, they were, it certainly wasn't the number we had today, a much smaller church. And they gave about a million dollars. I think it was one large gift, but a lot of other very, very generous gifts. Now, we would not be here today if it wasn't for their generosity. We wouldn't be positioned as a church to reach our city if it wasn't for their generosity. And I want to say to you as strongly and passionately as I can, that you need to know that it is our turn now. It is our turn now. We cannot sit here and say, well, they did that and that's you know what they did. We have to realise that it is our turn now. And it won't fly when we stand in front of God and say, look what I did you know, God, I, I got to enjoy the benefits of these other people. And I believe God will save us. But what about your generosity? Because you know what? Catalyst Church isn't finished. You know, and it's not about Catalyst Church. Don't get me wrong. No one's going to be singing a song in heaven about Catalyst Church. We're all going to be singing about Jesus. But this is the, this, this is the model. The local church is the model that God has expressed himself through as people. 
And so we as a people, by countless church, are not finished yet. God hasn't done amazing things in the past, only to leave us here for us to sort of be comfortable and sit about and about this impact. I truly believe that God has got a big calling for us as a church. And you know, we as a leadership, we agonise over that direction. But it's not about the leadership. It is about us functioning as one body. And we can only do that when we are all generous. So I want to ask you, what kind of person are you? When we think about being generous, what kind of person are you? You know, you um, are, you, are you a generous person or, or are you, uh, dare I say, a tight person? Does anybody know somebody who's extremely tight? No hands. Very good idea. Well behaved. I was hoping it wasn't a bit of like, you're talking in the first service, my son raised his hand up. So I put it on you watch it, mate, you've got jobs for a week. You know, you know when you're around tight people, you just know it, you can feel it. You're sort of like, oh, this is going to be an issue. You know, maybe you go out for a coffee or something and you just, you just know that you get there to pay and it's like, well, I only had, I only had this thing over here. I didn't have that one. You know, you had the code. You know, generosity is different. You know, when someone's so tight that they water down the milk, okay, or they're so tight that they make spaghetti bolognese and water that down. I mean, that's not good enough. Um, what are some other things I've thought of? They, um, well, actually, you know what? One thing we do, Another pet hate of mine. I'll say this one first and I'll get into that. What really gets me is when people take a concentrated detergent. I mean, it's concentrated for a reason. And they dilute it because it's just it's going to last longer. That's what the sink is for. That's going to dilute the water, right? Because the office is here, so you're learning something. You know, that's when you know you're around somebody who's tight and who's frugal. Um, one thing, you know, the milk thing. I have got to put my hand up to admit We've done the milk thing. I can remember, uh, it was probably just last year, um, we, we got up and, you know, we like to have a cup in the morning, but it was a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, we don't judge, we have both. So we got up in the morning and uh, we were going to have a cup of tea and we looked at the milk and we thought, this milk isn't going to do four crazy kids with them, you know, with these challenges and you know, guzzling on like crazy and get us a cup of tea. So we were going to just scrimp with their milk you know, then they end up with like one week because the size of the bowl that just puffs up. You know that happens? And so they they were going to whinge and complain. So we decided that we'd do a bit of a, hey, look over there, and dilute the milk. So I diluted the milk and uh, we got away with it. So I'm happy to admit that from time to time we do type things as a family. But for me, this one absolutely took a cake. Um, I'll ask for a picture to get put on screen. Um, these people that I found on the internet, God love the internet, taught their cat to go to the toilet. So they didn't have to pay the kid litter. And they didn't have to pay for whatever else happens. Hands up if you've got a cat. Oh, you bold dog, you do have a cat. You post on Instagram all the time. Um, that's a offense against humanity. You know, you know, is anyone interested in training their cat to go to the toilet? Would you do that? We had somebody in the first service who said, yeah, I'll take up the challenge. I'll train my cat to, to go to the toilet. So what, what am I really saying here? I, I'm not saying that, that being tight is bad. In fact, I've, I've seen a lot of people do crazy things to save money. And I actually think that's a really wise, smart thing to do. You know, they have tried to save up money 
to, you know, they do all kinds of crazy things because they want to be generous with somebody else. And, you know, for that, I applaud them. I think that is a great idea. If you are frugal over here and tired with your money, stretch out that mill, do the detergent if you want. If you think that's saving your money, it's not. It's not in the long run. But if you think that's working, because over here, you can be generous and take on an other compassion child, or, or you can give more to the vision of the church, or you can find somebody who is struggling and give them money. If you do this to put you in a position to be generous to somebody else, then I think that is absolutely applaudable. And I think it's a great thing to do. But let's not be tight for the sake of being tight. And I want to say this to you, a little something I thought about this week. I thought, you know, every single one of us are generous. Every single person here in this room is generous. We are either generous to other people or we are generous only to ourselves. Every single one of us are generous. It's just we choose who to be generous to. We're either frugal with things over here and tight, which means we've got more money for ourselves, or we still watch our money and we become the master of our money rather than it mastering us. And then we go over here and we freely give and we bless people and we, we do things. You know, I know which one I want to be. And I know which one in my mind best represents the heart and the example that Jesus Christ gave us. It's, it's something of a, a sore point for me for the last two years is that I feel that Mission and I haven't been able to be as a family and as individuals as generous as we possibly could have been. Um, you know, for various different reasons, that, you know, in time and life circumstances and different things. And so we are shaking it up. We're trying to do something, you know, as different as we can. In fact, we're you know, moving out to Minden. We're going to the country. You know, we're doing anything we can to put ourselves in a position where we can be generous. You know, and I, I want to say to you, how desperate are you to get in a place where you can be a generous person? Because I believe to know God, to be connected with God, is to be somebody who naturally wants to be generous. You know, when, when I first became a Christian, or, you know, before that moment, I was not a very generous person. Um, I was no Scrooge, don't get me wrong, but... I certainly wasn't somebody who just itched to, to give. And I don't mean just financially, but just wanted to help people. And, and you know, I saw somebody going through something. You just think, how can I fix that for them? How can I be a part of that? I just, and I think when we know God, there's something in our character and our nature that changes. And we become those kind of people. But I know that one thing is certain, that we cannot... Um, not give and still claim to be generous. We, we, we just can't do it. You know, if we sort of think about ourselves, well, you know, I'm a generous person. You know, I don't think anybody here is walking around thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm extremely tight. Um, you know, I have my money so much. I'm, I'm, I'm tight. I'm all about me. I just want to give to me. When that person asks for something, well, they're on their own. You know, I, I don't think we're doing that. I think we're walking around thinking, Absolutely, I'm a generous person. I'm somebody who's generous, but what I want to say to you is you can't say I'm generous to yourself if you're not actively giving to somebody. And let me be clear, I'm not talking about giving to the church in this instance. I'm talking about our ability as Christ followers to be generous to somebody else. 
And what I'm not saying is that what's going to happen is we're all going to be generous to each other and, and whatever you give to somebody, it's going to come back to you, even though that is a biblical principle. You know, I'm not saying that this is going to become, you know, Catalyst Church slash Utopia. Okay, this won't be this great place where nobody ever gets offended, um, you know, nobody ever gets hurt, and every time you give generously to someone, it's going to come back to you from that person. You know, what I am saying is that will you give to somebody? Will you be generous even if they spit in your face? Because that's exactly what they did to Jesus. He was generous with humanity. He gave his own very life and they spat in his face. You know, there's something about the generosity that we can have as Christ followers that doesn't need any return. You know, sometimes we can think, well, I'm going to give to that person and then, um, you know, they'll, they'll give back to me because they own me. You know, or maybe that's just me. But that's how we can feel sometimes that, you know, I need to be able to get something back. If I'm going to give them something, I need to be able to get, get something back. And of course, there's wisdom. You know, if you're in a situation you're constantly giving to other people, you've got to be careful that they do respect it. But there's got to be a line somewhere where you are willing to give without any thought of return. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, um, really for me, it sets this up really well. It says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I mean, don't you want to be the sort of person who can refresh somebody? You know, that we would be people who look around and look for people who look discouraged or downcast or tired or weary. Because I promise you it's going to happen to everyone here at some point in time. You know, it's happened to me. I've had days where I just felt exhausted and weary and tired. And, you know, you know and, and oftentimes you, know, you don't have that person who's going to come in. And you've got to rely on your relationship between you and God. But how incredible is it when somebody comes along and says, Hey, I just want to encourage you. Or maybe they do something for you. And maybe they'll never know the impact that has on you. And it just refreshes you and it encourages you. And it, and it really blesses you. You know, I know that it's not just something for us to receive, but it's something for us to give. And what would Canada's church look like if we were a church that each individual said, you know what, I'm not going to wait for somebody to bless me before I bless someone. I'm going to go to somebody and bless them and encourage them because that's what Christ has called me to do. And so Christ is our greatest example of how to be generous. Um, you can ask for a picture on the screen now. There's a, a, a painting, um, which is a whole ceiling um, in Rome. Has anybody ever been to the Sistine Chapel? <sighs> that's cool. I've been there on the internet. Is that correct? Um, had a look on there, and it looks kind of cool. But, you know, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, and a whole bunch of other artists, they, they painted this whole ceiling, you know, and, and it's at the Sistine Chapel. It's amazing. One of the most famous pictures is of, um, um, you know, it's where, it's Michelangelo, uh, Da Vinci, where, you know, God is reaching down, um, and he's touching man. And it kind of goes something like this. Okay. Does that do justice? I don't know why I said my name. It just felt right. And, and God's reaching down to 
to man and Adam's there reaching out and, he, and, and they're, they're touching and it's, and it's a picture of how God gives life to mankind. You know, Adam being the first man and it's a picture of how God gives life to mankind. And you know, the amazing thing about that is that people watch and they are amazed at the skill and the patience and the ability to communicate something so profound from Michelangelo da Vinci. You know, I want to say today there's something more glorious and amazing and more incredible than that painting has happened. And I believe that God has painted his own masterpiece with creation. With creation and how he created us to be in him and to know him. And then you move on from there. And the greatest pinnacle of this masterpiece is where God himself sends his son that love will come to this world. That God would be so generous to the point that he would sacrifice his own son. And that we wouldn't just look at that and say, wow, that's really interesting. You know, wow, that's, that's amazing. Look at the, power, the character and the nature of God. Look at, the, look at the, uh, the wonder of what God has done. We wouldn't just look at God's masterpiece and go, wow, that was nice. Yep, I've been to the Sistine Chapel while you guys were being there. I'm jealous of We wouldn't just look at that and say, it's something that I know is somewhere that I've been. But we would look at that and be changed as people. See, the masterpiece of God, this generosity that God gave, that masterpiece, it demands a change in your life. You can't look at God's masterpiece. You can't claim to know what it is to see that the love and the power of God come through Jesus Christ, for you to be connected to that love, for you to receive all that and not be changed. You can't be left the same when you have seen the masterpiece of God. You can't. You can't go about your career. You can't get on with life. You can't have your family. You can't do the mundane in such a way that you haven't been changed. And it's with that view that I want you to, to read this scripture. In 1 John, chapter 4, uh, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? Good. That must have been in the first service. I said it was about half that in the first service, and I said, it's not a revival for Calvary's church. It's just so quiet. It's just like that. Um, and then it says, so, so, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And you can substitute the word love here for generosity because that is such a, a, a that is the act of God. It was love that motivated him to be generous. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I love how at the end it says, no one has ever seen God. Now, it's true, we talk about being able to see the effects of God. Or the, the fact that we've got to know God has to be through faith. That's the only way we can get to know God is through faith because God's unseeable. We can't see him in our own natural eyes now. You know, God is unseeable, but this verse is saying 
You know, when we are generous to one another because of what God has done to us, when our lives are changed because of the masterpiece that we've seen, that we get to see God because of that generosity. You know, and isn't that what we're supposed to do? We are supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel in such a way that they see God, those who are in this world are lost without Him. That we are lost without Christ. That is exactly what we are supposed to be doing. And the scripture here is saying, when you show that your life has been completely and utterly changed because of God's generosity, that when you realize that that power, that that anointing, that that love of God so fills you that you have to be different, then other people see God. You know, they won't see it if you're just like, hey, you need to know about Jesus. And and we're about to, to sort of turn up the, the value of evangelism here as a church. You know, and I, I know that the last thing we want to see is just more people saying, you need to come to church, you're a dirty sinner, you need to get sorted. That's not how this scripture says that we show people who God is and that he is real. You know, doesn't mean that that's, we don't tell people about Jesus. Of course we do. But we've got to be, we have to love one another so much that people look at our love for one another. Right? And I mean our love to each other as a church, not just to outsiders. Because the scripture talks more about us having love for one another as Christians, that people will see that as a sign of God among us, than it does us loving other people. Now we're meant to do both. But scripturally, it leans towards us loving each other more. So I want to ask you, how are you going at loving the other people in this room? How are you going at being generous? And we are a generous church. Believe me, I'm not saying this as like, you're not a generous church. I believe we are, but I believe that we can lift it even more. I believe that we can be a church who is known for the love of God, so impacting our hearts and our lives that we do something for somebody else. That we're generous towards somebody else because that's what God has called us to do. In fact, the scripture would go further and it actually says that if you don't love other people, it shows that you don't know God. Because to be connected to God is to bear the fruit of love and generosity to others. And you simply can't say you know God and hate your brother. You know that scripture as well. We've got to be people who love God so much that we love other people. And so I'll say it again. I said it at the start that this is another statement that I believe fits now really well. That the future of our church is contingent on our generosity. What is Catalyst Church going to look like as a people? You are Catalyst Church. What is our church going to look like into the future? And I believe to answer that question, you have to say, how generous am I right now? You know, ask yourself that question, am I generous? And the way you can judge that is, well, who have I been giving to? You know, have I been volunteering my time into a department maybe? Or have I been, you know, giving into a friendship? Or have I, have I sent encouraging words to somebody on Sunday? Am I, am I looking to, to receive more than I'm looking to give? How generous are you? You know, I, um, a little while ago, I... I buried my father. I'm trying to find the words to describe it. I nearly said I had the, the privilege of, of burying my father. 
And, and in a way, I, I did because, you know, he was a very generous man. Uh, and I'm probably going to share this story towards the end of the year here, but I just felt to say, you know, he, he was a very generous man, but he had a lot of flaws. He had a heap of flaws in his life, but he was generous, extremely generous. And I'm thinking through what, what do we want said about us? What does our life boil down to? And at the end of the day, what do you want to be said at your funeral? You know, I believe in the Bible said that love covers a multitude of sins. Um, my dad was very generous with me. He, he sort of gave me that love. He, he was very generous with his love. Even though he had his other faults, you know what? That love covered a multitude of sins. And I'm not just saying that because now he's passed away, but everybody's better when they've passed away. I'm saying that even during his life, our relationship was restored and good because of his generosity. You know, as, as broken as that looked at times and as weird as that was. And so I want to ask you the question, how generous are you? Are you a generous person? Because that's what you will be known for. What do you want to be known for in your life? What do you want to be said at your funeral? You know, as I close, I want to share with you that when I first started um, to give, when I, when I got saved at a young age and, and I first started to give, um, it was a real challenge for me. I, my mum would say about us, um, she said, you know, we're so poor. Sounds like a real so poor joke, but we were so poor that, you know, we lived off the smell of an oily rag. And I kind of sit here now and think, well, I don't even know what that means. But it meant we're poor. Like, I, I don't really understand what it meant. We didn't have much money. Um, and I remember thinking, they're having this bread into me that, you know, I don't want to ever be like that. Uh, I don't want to ever be in that position where I'm so poor that we don't know where our, our food is going to come from. I don't want to ever be so poor that we don't, you know, that I can't give my kids changes of clothes. You know, I, I don't want to be in that position ever again. And so when it came to church and, uh, you know, and I sort of came to Christ at home, um, actually, in my little bedroom, and... Um, and when I came to church, I thought, well, I'm probably going to find a church. And the next thing they were saying, you know, sort of, you're meant to give 10% and you're supposed to tithe. I was like, hang on, I didn't realize this was part of the deal. I was kind of at home, got saved, and I come here and there, you want my money. And I was a bit concerned because I, I wanted to keep it for good reasons, because I wanted to help my family and I wanted to have a different life than what I had. But, you know, as God challenged me to, to give, I overcame that hurdle. And, um, you know, God has blessed us in ways, and I'm not talking financially, but like that scripture before said, he who refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, when you give to other people, when you can overcome that hurdle, you will live a life that is refreshed. And as I close now, I want to say that maybe you're in a position where you're just, you know, like Josh said, you are wracked with fear. You're afraid to give, or you're afraid... You know, about your future, and maybe you're afraid for good reasons. It doesn't mean you're bad, it doesn't mean you're evil. You know, I was a good little kid, but I was just worried about not wanting to fall down uh, and go down the same path as my parents have financially. But you are not living a blessed life when you are generous. And so I want to say to you, maybe what you need to do is go somewhere where they've got one of those little donation tins. Maybe you really boldly pull out a dollar coin sit there, put it in, and sort of sit back and go, yes, you know, I did it, I gave. You know, there's no condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus. You start that thing, you trust God with the little, 
And, you know, it's no point saying one day I'm going to have a million dollars and I'm going to give, you know, half of that to the church and they're going to make a statue to me in the foyer right next to that room, which we don't know what to call it, the alpha room. Um, so, you know, that's not going to happen. We're not going to make you a statue. But if you don't give now, if you're not faithful with God in small, then you will never be able to give what he puts it in the heart in the big things. You know, I can remember a time when I was in uh, a youth group uh, the church in, in Geelong that I first went to. And I was sitting there and I gave the offering and I, I sort of felt like, I felt like God was sort of saying to me, take the five bucks out of your pocket and put it in the offering. Um, I was 12 years old and this was my only money. That's all the money I had. I actually pinched it for mum and dad. They were, they were giving money for lunch. And it was all my, it was my money now. So it was my money and that was my McDonald's money. So I was going to go from church, and then afterwards we would always go to McDonald's, and we would go and spend our money and have some food and, you know, all that sort of thing. And I had this money in my pocket, but I felt God say to me, I want you to give this money. And I was like, no, that's my money. That's my Big Mac, my fries, and my chocolate fish. I've had that for about 20 years. So I was sitting there thinking, this is my money, and I really felt God say, just trust me in this. So I pulled my money out. And I sort of put in the offering, and I, I did. I just felt like a big burden had lifted off my life. I was like, God, this, I feel good. There's something about obeying God that's scary at the time, but when you do it, you feel good about it. And so I did that, and I obeyed God. And, you know, we went on with the service, had a great time. Uh, we, we walked down to the Maccas, and we were sitting there in the row, so we were standing in the row. And I was talking to people, as I do, and then I totally forgot that, don't laugh at that. Totally forgot about it, and I got right up to the point where there was one person and me at the cash register. And uh, it was a friend of mine, and, and uh, he placed his order, and he turned to walk away, and all of a sudden I stepped forward and I realized, oh, I've got no money. Oh, no. And I started to get really nervous, and I started to feel like such an idiot. Because I thought, people aren't going to understand, you know, that I've given my lunch to God. Like, he doesn't need lunch. Got enough food. Got all that carol, heroin. You Christians have been involved, no, I'm talking about. So, um, you know, I was sitting there thinking, what's going to happen? And and I was getting all nervous and worried about it. And then all of a sudden, as I sort of thought, oh, I'm going to have to sneak away and pretend I don't like Macca's anymore. My friend who turned away said to me, oh, hey, I've got a voucher here for a big Mac meal. Do you want it? And you don't know what that did to me. I was just like, man, God came through. It was awesome. You know, and I had my, I don't know why God would give me such unhealthy food, Karen, you know what I'm saying? You know, he should have given me some carrots and some filtered water. Um, but, you know, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, God blessed me in that moment. It was such a charge to my faith. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, I, I want to be a generous giver. I want to be somebody who can do great things for God. You know, just get started. Do something. Just get yourself started. Don't think, well, I'm not giving the full 10%, or, oh, I could help that person more. Do something. Give a dollar. Give, give uh, you know, just 10 minutes of your time. Get that, that sort of wheel in motion, and before long, I believe, we will have a community that will do amazing things for God. So let's be a generous people. Let's pray. God, Father, we know that we cannot do this in our own strength. But Father, I pray that you would help us to be a generous people. God, that we would reflect who you are. 
Father, why did we get lost people who count to no Christ? Because we have been generous and therefore God is seen. God, I know that we can't do this of our own strength. God, we don't have the will or the ability to be generous when we're tired or when we feel fearful or when we are in a position of lack, even in our own life. But God, we know that supernaturally that you can charge us to be people who are generous. And so, God, I just pray a spirit of generosity over us as a church. God, I pray that nothing will stand in our way, that we will be people who say, God, you know, I know that you are with me and I know that you are asking me to do this right now. God, that many people's lives will be changed because we have obeyed your words and that you will prove yourself to do the exceptional, you know, unimaginable things that we haven't even seen or heard of yet for Carol's Church. We thank you, God. You're incredible to us, even when we don't know it. We bless your name in Jesus' name.